It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hope Radio. We are the Knights of Awakening. Hello and welcome back to the Knights of Awakening. I'm your host, Justin Payne. Today we're going to spend some time speaking with Dean Jacques, author of Chivalry Now, The Code of Male Ethics. Now this is an interview that I've very much been looking forward to as it, it it's literally been uh, some years in the making. And I'm, I'm very happy that we were able to finally come together and have this conversation and share this uh, information with you guys. As you know, I recently uh, published a, uh, a review, book review um, video for this, and this conversation that we're going to have today um, is going to tie all this together. We're going to be sharing a lot of a lot of uh, good information, and I hope all of you will uh, hope all of you enjoy it. I know I'm going to. So if you guys will enjoy it, at least I'm going to enjoy it. I know uh, Dean is going to enjoy it too. Like many young men in my day, I, I always found myself falling in love with the idea of chivalry uh, and what it stood for. I wanted to emulate the, the, those brave knights uh, that I watched on TV and read about in the stories. Even to this day, I find inspiration, like many of you out there, from stories about heroes who risk life and limb uh, to simply serve others and to do the right thing. But we're not here today to talk about movies and stories and I'm sure you didn't tune in today to hear me talk about uh, my childhood or adult ambitions. Nope. Today we're going to be talking about uh, chivalry now. Um, so without further ado, let's give a nice warm welcome to uh, Brother Dean Jock. Hello, sir. How Thanks. are you? Good. Thank you, Justin. It's, it's good to finally meet you and uh, start this discussion. <laughs> Um, the honor's all mine, and uh, as I said a minute ago, uh, th- this has been a couple years in the making. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> excuse me. I hope you guys can forgive me today. There's a cold going around in my neighborhood or city or whatever. And uh, so if I, so if I sound a little choppy, it's because uh, I'm trying to get over this little cold that I've had for a couple of days. Uh, before we get started, uh, Dean, I want you to know that I've read your book a few times now over the years. Um, I love this book because I found that many of the lessons taught within it resonated with who I wanted to be when I was a, a little youngling and very much still resonates with uh, who I've actually become. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I don't to know, hear that. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, I, I actually, on my desk in front of me right now, I have an autographed copy of the book that you sent me many years ago. Do you remember? Do you remember that? <laughs> well, my memory isn't as good as it used to be. <laughs> I'm glad. So we're gonna we're gonna put that up for auction for for a million dollars and donate it to uh, <laughs> donate it to charity. Very good. Well, I'm happy you joined me, and I'm I'm uh, very much looking forward to this. So um, let's get into it. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, there's not much to say. I'm basically a quiet person, retired, happily married, and live in a small town in Connecticut. My interests include history, philosophy, politics, martial arts, and writing. Uh, I do have a, a certain passion, however. Having worked in social services for 30 years, I came to the conclusion a while back that all our social problems can be traced to the failure of our culture to lead people in a more positive direction. Something is obviously missing. My passion focuses on finding that something, bringing it to light, and hope it does some good. Uh, although I call that something chivalry now, it actually represents cultural developments reaching back to the beginning of Western civilization. I've always wondered... Uh about chivalry <clears throat> well I, I guess I never really wondered about it um, it, it always was a theme that was that seems to be present uh, and in part not even in just you know like um, movies about knights and things like that um, but it seems to, to to be a part of that that what we call the hero's journey and it seems like it's it's part of many stories that we that we read um, even modern times, you know, a lot of people will say that uh, uh, comic books, for example, many of the older comic books, like from the uh, you know 60s uh, through the 80s, seem to uh, be the new myths or whatever. Um, but doesn't it seem like chivalry chivalry is a part of a lot of a, lo a lot of stories, even if it's not really directly called that? Well, when it came up in the Middle Ages, it really started a literary fashion. Uh, a lot of stories were written about it, and troubadours went around singing songs and telling stories. And it kind of formed the basis of what we have today. Um, the love story, the hero, the, uh, the quest, you know, insurmountable problems that we face and, uh, and somehow learn from them and become better people and bring that knowledge back to society afterwards. Um, so chivalry in the Middle Ages kind of uh, gave us all that. It also gave us the idea of romantic love, which we still uh, consider quite popular. 
How long have you How long have you been on this path of of uh, knighthood? Uh, let's see. It's, when did I first start? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, all of our paths in life start at birth. Uh, we have no idea where they lead, but everything we do, every thought and decision we make, and how we respond to every challenge that confronts us shapes our final direction. In chivalry now, we call this process a quest. When we purposely encounter our daily lives like a quest, when we face each challenge as a learning experience, we open our lives for direct personal development. We strengthen our moral base and build upon the heroic impulses that every child owns from early on. The quest preserves these impulses in a world that tends to depreciate them. So, as to your original question, I've been on this path all my life. What made me cognizant of its direction began after I saw a rendition of the musical Camelot in the late 1980s. I remember leaving the theater feeling very much like something had spoken to me. I decided to look into chivalry and found the cultural expression of Western ideas that I was looking for. Now, I know this is this is kind of a loaded question, but it's and probably a really big question um, because I mean it's real easy once you you said um, you said that you've been on this path uh, all of your life, and I guess I would have to agree with that because I don't remember a, I don't remember a time that I I wasn't uh, thinking this way, <laughs> you know. So so I just have to assume that it's always been that way uh, for me, at least since I can remember. Um, so the the amount of of, of inspiration is is never lacking if you if you're already uh, predisposed to look for it, but uh, we'll give it a shot here. How um, what outside is sources influenced and inspired you? Um, well, working in a welfare department was certainly an eye opener. My childhood was pretty bland and nondescript. Seeing firsthand how some people lived the problems they faced troubled me. I tried to help them as best I could, but the system offered only temporary and superficial relief. There were other influences, of course. Being raised in the 1950s and 60s was very different from today. The heroes we watched on TV were morally conscious, like the Lone Ranger in Star Trek. To my mother's disappointment, I read a lot of comic books, too little knowing that superheroes would someday be the greatest source of mythological expression, as evidenced today by the number of movies they inspire. Now, my education included 12 years of Catholic schooling and a bachelor's degree in liberal arts. I found myself strongly attracted to the writings of theologians like Teilhard de Chardin and Paul Tillich. Perhaps they, more than any, anything else, kick-started my search for big answers. The social turbulence of the 1960s certainly provided an environment that spurred independent thought. I steered my own course, however, in between the status quo and the youth movement, almost like a bystander wishing for a third choice. Uh, a big influence, uh, when I was 12, my neighbor introduced me to the martial arts, Taekwondo at the time, which I still practice. Uh, martial arts were not well known back then. My first teacher was uh, taken in with the philosophy as he was with the physical aspects of the art. 
I felt myself part of some esoteric path that connected me to the spirit of the warrior. I remain on that same path today, although my focus has shifted from east to west. You mentioned uh, you mentioned comic books. Who was your favorite comic book hero back in the day? Oh, Superman, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Superman, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, uh, it kind of helped that there was a Superman TV show at the time, at the time, and you know, how, how could you not? <laughs> My favorite uh, has always been Captain America. I just love. Um, he's just, I guess, I guess he's very much like Superman in in a lot of ways. He's probably Marvel's version of Superman, um, just not quite as powerful. But um, the way they conduct themselves. Very much influenced by, well, I don't know if they were directly influenced by chivalry or not, but but they they certainly play the part. Oh, they always had moral questions to ask, or, or they were facing moral dilemmas, and they always fought for what was good and right. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of children kind of, you know, that sinks into their psyches because when you're young, you're looking to find what it means to be an adult, to be a man or a woman or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and these influences help you along. They shape your identity, who you are and your values. Uh, it's just too bad that life kind of kicks that out of you after a while. Yeah. It, it, to, to me, it, it sure, it sure seems a lot different. I mean, it seemed like I had a lot of, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and it seemed like I had more more uh, uh, role models to look up to than we than we see today, and and I, I guess that's why we're talking about this um, because there really aren't yeah, and, there really aren't a lot. And they were better role models too, unfortunately. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Along came the anti-hero, and then before you know it, uh, they tried to put in a realism that kind of disconnected from idealism. Although you still see it cropping up. Now and then, you know, like Lord of the Rings was a, a major uh, mythological triumph, bringing the heroes back in the quest. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, I was going to I was going to touch upon the the martial arts thing real quick. Um, it's funny because uh, as a young man, I I took the martial art uh, Kuk So Wan, which is also uh, a Korean martial art, just like Taekwondo. And it was very heavy, very heavy in philosophy too. It was more, more uh, contemplation and less uh, fighting. Mm-hmm. And as a young man, I remember thinking, "Wow, this is kind of boring." Uh, as I got a little older, I, I, I realized, "Wow, I'm so glad that 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 was a part of it." Oh yeah, 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 because it, it applies to the whole person, not just the physical aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, my my first teacher, like I said, was a neighbor, and he studied under um, oh, what's his name? Uh, a very very famous teacher. Oh, Junri in in Washington, and uh, he, he used to practice in the backyard, and I'd watch, and I kind of annoyed him into teaching me. He really didn't want to, and so he taught me the <laughs> old fashioned way, where the first month all I learned was how to stand and walk. <laughs> Yeah, um, but he would talk about the philosophy, and I soaked it in. And uh, he would make me 
um, well, we would both meditate by the bushes around twilight, and the mosquitoes would come out, and they'd drive me crazy. And he always knew when I would twitch, even though his eyes were closed. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> but uh, it was a good experience. Uh, it, you know, young people need something to introduce them into adulthood. Otherwise, they kind of stay children all their lives. So let's get to it then. As you proposed, or as you posed a question in your book, uh, and I believe literally page one, you asked the question: What does it mean to be a man? Okay, to my mind, a man is a human being who strives to fulfill his moral nature and related obligations. He is not just intellect or libido, which we tend to forget. He is conscience as well which is the most defining yet underrated aspect of his being. The complete man is someone who applies reason to the moral discernment of his conscience. This forms the concept of nature's law, which you know we, we hear about in uh, our Declaration of Independence, which is firmly integrated into the rationale of chivalry now. Uh, our goal, uh, building persons who tell the truth, strive for justice, help those in need, act with courtesy toward others, and adhere to all the other aspects of today's chivalry. And I might add that being a real woman requires the same personal authenticity of completeness. And I know we're going to get into that here in just a second. Um, but you know, as we go along, we're for the sake of the audience, who, for those of you who haven't read this book or visited the pages, um, and if you haven't, shame on you. I put this out a week ago. You should, should have had all that done. But, uh, <laughs> um, shame on you all. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to, of course, we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, and, and for the sake of uh, you guys listening in, uh, you're, you're going to start catching some reoccurring themes here. Um, and there's a reason that. Uh, here at the Knights of Awakening, we like to beat dead horses because they're important topics to to remind us of over and over again. Um, so we talked about chivalry um, at the beginning a little bit, um, but what is it? Um, and, and maybe you can help us understand when it started, uh, uh, where it came from. Uh, but but. I think the most important question about chivalry is, is not what it is, but what does it do and what is, what is its purpose? Well, no one really knows exactly when it started. Some say that chivalry was originally derived from the martial ethics of Roman cavalrymen. This combined with the warrior traditions of the Germanic people and uh, was strongly influenced by Roman Catholicism. What we can be sure of is that chivalry came of age in the song and literature of the High Middle Ages, uh, mostly Arthurian literature. Uh, it identified a class of warrior not only by their weapons, training, and accoutrements, but by their values and moral code, and nothing could be more important than that. Chivalry carried an expectation of noble self-discipline and what they considered at the time to be manly virtues. As time went on, this strongly contributed to the concept of being a gentleman. While it was rarely followed perfectly, it did influence behavior in a positive fashion 
and the world was a better place because of it. Transmitting and maintaining such benefits is an important function of culture. When this transmission fails, culture seriously declines, no matter how advanced it is technologically. And I think that's what we're seeing today. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if you don't have a body without a soul, it just it just does it, it doesn't operate right. It doesn't seem correct. It doesn't, you know. I mean, society is a living, breathing thing in my mind, um, and and that's that's where the good and bad comes from. It and if it's not, uh, you know, a person can seem to be alive sometimes and not. Be in connect, uh, be not not be connected to their soul, and it seems to make that person different. I, you know, I I know you probably can't, we probably can't prove that, or or it really it's hard to explain. But but you know, we've all come across somebody who seems to just not be connected to to all of themselves, and yeah. I think uh, you know th- that kind of reminds me of society. I look at society as a body, and it's living and breathing, and but. Sometimes it seems like there's no soul uh, connected yeah. to it. People get caught in their routines, and uh, and really nothing could be more devastating than doing the same thing over and over, thinking the same thoughts over and over, listening to the same uh, media junkies over and over. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that, that's really not freedom. I mean, you're free to do that, but you're not expressing freedom. Uh, which is to really be alive and, yeah. you know, think for yourself. It's funny you mention that because uh, I use those very words in a video that, that I um, recorded uh, last week that I'll be releasing sometime next week or this week or whenever I, whenever I feel like it's time to put it out there. And it's, it's uh, uh, the theme of it is basically – um, these prisons that you feel like you're you're stuck in, you put yourself there because you keep making the same decisions and you keep hanging out with the same people and you keep listening to the same things. And, you know, like you said, and I mean, we call that insanity. You know, if you want, if you want change, you have to change the way you think and you have to change the way the choices you make. Exactly. So, when you think about chivalry, I mean, you know, I, at least me, it, it takes me back to, to the old movies and um, which I love, but there's something about that time period that just doesn't quite fit with ours. So, so you've, you've come up with a new code of chivalry that you um, of course propose in the book. Uh, how, how is the new, how is chivalry now different from uh, our old understanding of the, of the code of chivalry? Well, there's differences, of course, but that doesn't mean that the two are separate. I, I think we need to uh, to say that right up front. I tend to think of what we have today as classic chivalry that has evolved to be appropriate for the times. It includes all the positive aspects of the modern world derived from the age of reason and enlightenment. It incorporates valuable insights of psychology. It insists on the personal responsibility posed by existentialism. It promotes a higher understanding of freedom, which includes human rights and a democratic process. Now, 
the timeline of chivalry now does not only extend forward from medieval chivalry, it goes backwards as well, shedding light on the earliest roots of Western civilization. It reintroduces deeper meaning to concepts like truth and the highest good as they were understood by the ancient Greeks. I consider that very exciting, so much so I wrote a second book on it. Uh, understanding their deeper meaning sheds light on who we are and what we believe. So, I have, I'm the father of, of five girls, five beautiful girls. I, I, <laughs> I'll put it this way, I, I am surrounded by, by when I was, uh, when I was uh, 11 or 12 years old, um, I remember that I prayed and, and I asked, uh, I asked God to surround me with, with uh, uh, beautiful women, and he did. Just not in the way that I was thinking about when I was 12 or 13. <laughs> Although I'll take it. I'll take it because as you get older, you realize that, you know, it's hard dealing with just, just one beloved. But uh, so the title of the book, of course, is Chivalry Now, The Code of Male Ethics. Uh, if my wife or one of my daughters were to pick up this book off my desk here and read it, what value could they find within it? I originally wrote the book for men. Uh, during my years in social services, I was appalled by the attitudes of many of the males I interviewed. They often seemed completely detached from their responsibilities as men. The women usually kept their families together and well-fed, despite major obstacles. In this regard, they seemed to better reflect their moral instincts. Many of the men, not all of course, were not only emotionally immature, they purposely shirked their responsibilities. They would even brag about it. They often lived off of the women who received welfare checks, which still amazes me because the money they received was pretty small. That's when I realized that our culture was failing to teach these men how to be men, how to be husbands and fathers and good employees. While welfare programs are necessary, they do nothing to compensate for cultural uh, deprivations. And so the problems continue. Now, as Chivalry Now gained an online audience, many women expressed an interest. While Chivalry Now was meant to be a male counterpart to feminism, its focus on universal values and personal development also related to women, and they were responding. Uh, by then, of course, the book was already titled and in the process of being published, but our online community quickly included women as well. Indeed, some of our exponents are women, and we are stronger for having them. I trust that your wife or daughters would find an advocacy in chivalry now that expresses their moral instincts as well. Well, at the very least, it was, I would say at the very least, they would know what uh, to look for uh, in a man. I would hope that I exemplify that for them. Uh, for my daughters, sure especially, you, you know, I, I that there are days where they test me, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I uh, my wife and I had had talked about this at different times, and I've talked with with people about it over the years, and you know, they they would say, uh, "Wow, Justin, you're kind of tough." 
you're kind of tough on 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 your kids. They're just girls. And and sure. I would say, look, yeah, I would say, look, um, I have to be the shining light for them to look up to. Um, and I'm not trying to make men out of them. However, what I am doing is 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 exemplifying a an example that they not only get uh, gain strength from. Um, hopefully, hopefully they, they they look up and they and they get uh, inspired. But most importantly, uh, some someday I'm going to leave this earth, and they need to know uh, what to look for in a person or people that they can trust. And uh, I think that's I think that's part of what uh, what the chivalry now lesson is is to, you know, be, be the best person you can be uh, and be that example for, for others for not, not necessarily to follow if they can't, uh, but to look up to at least. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're going to learn what relationships are about, what men are from you. And uh, I just wish more men realized that and uh, took their responsibilities more seriously. Let's check in with the chat room here real quick. I want to welcome guest 91. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not your real name, but I I appreciate you coming in and uh, hanging out with us. I want to real quick, uh, uh, just quickly before we move on, I want to put out uh, the call-in number for those who – uh, want to call in and say hello to Dean or, or myself or ask questions or give comments or or, um, or whatever. The uh, call-in number is 657-383-1532. That's 657-383-1532. Um, we would be happy to uh, talk with you for, for a minute or two. To quote a passage in your book, this is the society that young people grow up in, a society without heroes, without myth, where virtues are so coupled with hypocrisy that they can no longer be held in esteem. While many factors contribute to this, a central component is the degradation of what it means to be a man in relationship to the world. Men, uh, men still carry a lot of power, but it's power that often, often lacks a viable moral compass. Can you elaborate on this uh, for us? Sure. Uh, The world we live in is radically different from any that came before. Uh, While society has never been perfect at any point in history, uh, with all our knowledge and technological advances, we should be better than we are. It seems that we have applied our knowledge more toward convenience than actual human advancement. Uh, The evolution of human nature cannot probably move forward as long as we continue to embrace the vices of the past as if they were virtues. For example, we have always, always in history known that greed is bad. Uh, Nevertheless, we have managed to balance greed with our Sunday school lessons that tell us, blessed are the poor, and it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, These two are, by nature, contradictory. 
and we poison our national conscience by trying to sustain them both. The entertainment industry provides us with many of our heroes. Uh, They usually do this based on greed rather than social benefit. Because it sells, we have been deluged by dysfunctional male images that are conceited, uncommunicative, and perpetually scowl. Uh, What possible good could come from that? These fictional movie heroes only become heroes who get the girl because an irresponsible script makes it that way. When young young males see this and receive no cultural guidance to contradict it, many of them emulate what they see, the popularity of the dysfunctional male image that doesn't lead anyone to being happy. As a follow-up to that, uh, Dean, uh, who are your heroes? Well, you know, I've I've had some heroes in my life that, uh, you know, it, you know, I could give you their names, but you wouldn't know them. Uh, certainly, my my martial art instructor, uh, a friend of my uh, sister, a long time ago, kind of took me under his wing, and uh, and definitely Stephen Forget, whom you know very well too, uh, but. A lot of my heroes uh, are people I read about, such as Marcus Aurelius, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Paine, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Mohandas Gandhi, and Krishnamurti. Uh, None of them were perfect, but as human beings go, they did their best to serve as prime examples to us all. Yeah, that's quite a lineup. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, you know, it's funny. Well, not funny, haha. Funny, ironically, that I remember when I was when I was a kid going through school. Um, we learned about Martin Luther King, and uh, that great man that I learned about going through school uh, has transformed into a different man that my children are learning about uh, now, and I don't know who to blame for that. And and, and I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, to me, who, whose fault it is, why they changed, why they changed him up. But when they come home and they talk about Martin Luther King, I give them the real history lesson. So my kids go to school twice, twice a day sometimes, unless I'm working. Um, but fortunately, my job allows me to only have to work four days. Uh, uh, I'm four days on and four days off. So I. Sp- I'm fortunate enough to be able to spend um, a lot of time at home as well. And, and, and the time that I'm at work, usually they're sleeping anyway, so it works out good. But my, my, kids, have to, my kids have to go through school twice because it's, they go to school and they learn and they come home and tell me what they learned because, of course, I'm, I'm always you know, asking them how their day went, whatever. But, and then they have to sit through a real history lesson from me. So... Uh, <laughs> To be a student of history, you know, I think that's one of the most important things anybody can do. You know, don't and just don't just take my word for it. Uh, dive into to a history book. Dive into um, online. The internet's a good place and a bad place, but if you dig deep enough, you'll find the truth. Um, but uh, many of the people you, you mentioned. There's a lot of good, uh, 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 a lot of good examples 
to to learn from there for sure. Agreed. And the fact that they weren't perfect is okay because none of us are. And but but these guys, they pushed they they pushed it as far as they could, and some of them unfortunately lost their lives for it. But um, that's what that's what uh, courage and integrity is. <laughs> to me, I think you just you keep doing this, doing the right thing no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's what life is about. I mean. Why should it be doing the wrong thing? You know, people don't even ask that question. I always tell my kids to ask, to ask this question. What would dad do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, as a, as a kid, as a kid, uh, I would find myself, and I know this, this may sound silly to some, but I don't care because I'm not in the, not in the business of saying what's popular, but, uh, as a kid, uh, I would I would ask myself questions. You know, what would Cap do? You know, I mean, it was my it was my my single biggest source. Well, I'm not being completely truthful. My grandfather, my grand my grandfather, God rest him. Uh, that that man walked on water. I'm pretty sure of it. You know, um, <laughs> but but uh, besides my grandfather. Uh, you know, I I look to the fiction to help fill fill the voids that I couldn't that I couldn't find uh, you know around me, and you know I'd ask myself what what would my what would my papa do or what would Cap do or, and it it, it usually kept me going on the right you know down the right path. Very good. You're lucky. <laughs> uh Blessed. Remember, you know. the, the the quest of the Holy Grail is uh, answered not by an answer, but by a question. And I think that's the moral of the story. You know, we we discover things when we question them. And even if we can't find an actual answer, the question itself gives us a different frame of mind and uh, opens us up to life. I always enjoy I, I always enjoy hearing people tell me how they found what I call their moment of awakening. Uh, your book gives us some insight into this, uh, and and, and uh, you were saying earlier that uh, you could name names about some of your your heroes, and, and none would know them. I I certainly feel like I kind of know them because I've you know uh, I've read uh, your your recollection of them in the book uh, several times. Um, but how uh. Can you share a little with us how you came to, to uh, your moment of awakening? Well, it was uh, I was pretty much by myself at, at the time. Uh, it, no, first of all, it, it's the nature of the quest to provide many awakenings as we encounter life with the enthusiasm of an inquisitive mind. Uh, I have accidentally found a number of books that were phenomenally insightful from beginning to end. I have seen barely noticed active acts of kindness that confirm the goodness of human nature. I've experienced love that has turned my entire life around. Uh, and I, I can't emphasize that enough. 
the list goes on, which is why we encourage people to appreciate what life brings to them as part of their personal quests for truth. That way they take them more importantly. Uh, my particular moment happened in my mid-20s. Uh, it was completely unexpected, and the message escaped me for years. Uh, I went down to a local lake uh, with some friends to watch the sunset. No big deal. Uh, I wasn't expecting anything. Uh, when we arrived and I walked to the water's edge, the sky had dramatically transformed in color. Now, just try to imagine for a moment a yellow sky, beneath it a yellow lake, shimmering incandescently. Uh, across the lake there was a hanging mist, and that was suffused with like a golden hue. While all this was mesmerizing in itself, I was captivated by the silence that held it all together. <clears throat> I sensed what I can only describe as an unvarnished experience of reality itself, liberated from social illusions and the trappings of ego. It was stillness, timeless. I wasn't sure what to think. I didn't want to think. It was as if beauty itself had chosen this moment to reveal itself for my benefit. Uh, a little conceited there, I guess, but that's how it felt. Uh, I would describe it as an intense feeling of affirmation, which was good in the world. Uh, we choose to work for the world or against it. Uh, now, I believe that most people experience something similar at some point in their lives. The question is, do they ignore it, appreciate it? or become inspired and learn from it. My life was sufficiently dull, so I chose the latter. Although I didn't think about it then, it does influence my relationship with nature even now. I'm most complete and serene when experiencing nature unimpeded. So that was kind of my, my moment. Um, but it was transformative. And it's not like it transformed me in a moment. It just added something to my consciousness so that I saw things differently and change continues. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of what the quest does. I, <clears throat> I wouldn't uh, call it con being conceited. I'd, be, I'd call it being honest. And uh, many, of these, many of these moments, if we're paying attention, um, they, they are directed at us or by us, but uh, either way, they're for us, you know, and um, that's that's when they have the biggest impact is when is when we understand that they're for us. And, you know, I think most of us uh, I think I don't think most of us ignore them. I think we just don't understand what we're what we're experiencing at the time. And, you know, yeah. when you look back and when you look back, you, you say, oh, man, wish I would have wish I would have. Uh, gotten it the first time but that's okay because like you said that's that's part of the journey it's it's part of growing and learning well i i always believe that everyone experiences this sometime um and the catalyst could be just about anything uh it does worry me a little bit today uh, dinosaur that i am that uh these things could happen and if you're too busy looking at your cell phone you're going to miss them 
I take it you're not a big fan of Pokemon Go? I don't even know what it is. And, <laughs> and, and to, to prove that I'm a dinosaur, I don't even have a cell phone. Somebody's going to write me an email about that and ask me to send you one probably. <laughs> no, I don't want one. I, I, don't. Uh, I, could, I could have one. My wife has one. Uh, I just don't. I'd rather look at the world I live in rather than a, mm-hmm. a virtual reality that I'm holding in my hand. Fair enough. Uh, you, you you talked about Quest uh, just a minute ago. What is the Quest for a modern day knight? Uh, it's it's a very important term as far as chivalry now goes. Uh, I would describe the Quest as purposeful living, but it's more than that. Uh, It's a journey whereby we learn and develop our personal autonomy and then become a benefit to the world. Every good and bad experience, every person and challenge that we meet contributes to our learning process. The dynamics of the quest encourages us uh, to greet them as opportunities for personal growth, even the ones that are painful or frustrating. Even when we lose or fail, there is something to be learned that can lead to our development. Without that perception, uh, we tend to ignore what life has to tell us and get, get caught up in routines that leave us spiritually empty. That, uh, when I was talking to you earlier, I mentioned that video that, that I did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, also did I also did another one. Um, coincidentally enough, uh, about uh, what are you looking for? You know, where do you find it? And it's uh, very much talks about what what you're saying here. It, it's yeah. You know, we we feel empty because we try to fill holes uh, with physical things that only spiritual things can fulfill. And yeah, it's really we expect hard other to, people to give us the answers when. Life is about finding the answers, you know, and and that's what makes us alive. Learning makes us alive. We feel more alive. Uh, We feel passion in life. Uh, And just someone handing us the answers all the time and telling us to fit in a routine and keep the economy going, uh, that's very life-defeating. And Mm -hmm. I personally would hate to be on my deathbed and think I never lived. Yeah, it's it's kind of depressing, <laughs> you know, when you look. Uh, if, and I don't want to say you know when you are enlightened, but when you when you accept uh, uh, certain truths about the world, and then you look at it with with those newfound eyes, it can get kind of depressing to see people yeah. not living. Yeah, yeah, I I, I tend to. Uh get upset now and then and just feel like, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> um, but, you, you know, I, I also have tasted it. And I think if anyone does, they, they want more. They want to live. They want to be autonomous in life. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's our purpose. It's our nature. Uh, our nature doesn't end when we're born, and, and it's just physical that we grow. It's, it's psychic as well. It's it's spiritual. It's mental. Uh, and, and it has to do with conscience. 
I mean, think about conscience. It's it's really an incredible thing that we have that we tend to ignore or just think of it as a little voice telling us right from wrong. Uh, it's a moral center that, that makes us really unique. Mm-hmm. And it, we should purposely include it in who we are rather than putting it aside so we can uh, make a little more money now and then. Uh, because by doing that, you're not complete. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to hurt you at some point. Well, and and there's a pitfall. There certainly is a pitfall to to uh, looking for others for the answers to everything. Um, and the pitfall to that is that you find yourself blaming everyone else for all the things that happened to you as well. Yeah, and and you really become a different person. You, you become them in a sense. Uh, you know, I, I hear people talk about political ideologies, and they all say the same words. And they all have the same passion. And, you know, you can't help but wonder, where's the person in there? Rather than Mm -hmm. just repeating what they hear and letting someone else get in their minds and generate all these feelings and beliefs, uh, you know, there's something really lost. And how do you regain it? Uh, Well, like like some of us did, I I suppose you would... uh... You, you would look to to others, uh, uh, not for the answers, but to to see them in action and follow their example if they are a good person. I mean, I believe that we all know deep down we we know who's good and who's bad. Um, yeah. Even though it's even though it's not popular or profitable to say that. Um. And you know, it, it's funny. I remember growing up. And people would read the newspapers, and or uh, it was a nightly rit- ritual that my grandparents or my parents would watch the, the the nightly news, and it seemed like different different things coming from there. It was more honest. It was it seemed like it was more. Um, it, it, they would just give you information. It was almost yep. like uh, you know before the internet. That was the way you got your information, but. And, and I'm not going to say it wasn't slanted even back then because I didn't see the world that way. Um, we find ourselves being kind of trapped by that sometimes if we're not careful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seeing the world from a forced perspective. But, you know, it just seemed like a different time where uh, people could – I remember saying to a young man that works for me, that worked for me uh, a few years ago, and I was telling him, I said – I said, you're not going to believe this, but there was a time where people of different uh, ideologies, politically, religiously, uh, socially, they just sat around and talked to each other. (laughs) Nobody, (laughs) nobody punched each other. Nobody, you know, they, they talked about it and it wasn't a big deal because it was, they would debate and they would uh, uh, talk, but there was no arguing. There wasn't my guy is better than your guy or my lady is better than your lady or, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. It was they talked about everything and, and we don't do that anymore. Well, you know, our, our nation was founded on incredible uh, intellectual hope. Uh, you know, our, our founders were the elites of their time and they took a lot of their ideas from the Enlightenment an age of reason principles from Europe, which uh, 
mm-hmm. they kind of devoured. And being in a nation away from Europe, they could put them to the test, and they worked. Um, but th- that doesn't mean everyone understood it that way. And as time went on, we, we kind of lost uh, a lot of the idealism our founders had, even though uh, we constantly hear politicians referring to our founders um, that's those are just words of convenience. Uh, what was really there was uh, a strong intellectual and emotional connection that looked forward to a better future and for humanity's progress. Um, we don't think of that anymore. We're too busy picking up all the coconuts, and uh, our arms are full, and we keep dropping them. <laughs> mm-hmm. The warrior, the warrior mindset is a theme through many many of uh, communities that are that are alike, um, and of course, we try to exemplify this in our actions. But your book talks about the warrior spirit. Um, how do you view the warrior spirit as it fits into modern day chivalry? Well, that depends on how you define the warrior spirit. Uh, to some. It's being a good soldier, or dressing up in camouflage and playing war games, or joining private militias, or collecting a home arsenal just to feel ready. To me, uh, it's the spirit that encourages us to protect the ones we love, to protect the innocent and helpless, to stand up against evil and ignorance, and serve our communities as role models of integrity. Uh, The beauty of this definition is that it is reachable for people of any age and all shapes and sizes, and it creates a better world rather than one based on fear and contention. Now, it also includes uh, preparation. It demands life skills and good decision-making and a reservoir of reliable virtues. Warriors have to be prepared for what life brings. That includes the flexibility of having an open mind. Uh, and we tend to forget that. We have our images of warriors, uh, you know, Conan the Barbarian or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, first of all, it's not real. Second, it, it's not the legacy of the historical warrior. And third, it's not what we need today. Uh, We need people who do the right thing, and warriors uh, are the ones who have the self-discipline and motivation to do that. I certainly believe that uh, many people confuse uh, the two two things, fighter and a warrior, because a warrior is is much deeper than just being a fighter. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's. I know someone would argue that that a fighter can be spiritual, but but I would argue that if a fighter is spiritual, then they wouldn't uh, just be fighting for the sake of fighting. They would fight only when necessary. Exactly, you know? and for good causes. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that makes makes a difference is you know, uh, if someone tells you it's a good cause and you fight for it. Um, 
that can be good or bad depending on the cause. You have to decide mm-hmm. what the cause is. And so part of being a warrior is being aware of the world and, and the needs of the world. Um, you have to be smart. You have to be intelligent. You have to know the issues. Uh, we have too many voices who make demands and, and don't even know what they're demanding mm-hmm. because they haven't looked into it. They, they're just followers. Uh, the knight, today's knight has to stand up for him or herself and, uh, and say it like it is. Mm-hmm. No matter how popular or unpopular it is. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Very often the, the night might be very much alone because in this world <laughs> it's it's not really fashionable to uh no. to not go with the flow. You know, that's that's something that I've never had an issue with. It gets me in trouble a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it gets I know me what in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, um it causes people to to question my tone mm-hmm. as they put it. And I tell them that it is what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. We we need more right. people like that. You I know, think we need people who who do it. Otherwise, uh, you know, you know, we live in a democracy. It's supposed to reflect the people. Well, if the people are yeah. all followers of this ideology or that ideology, and they don't think for themselves, what kind of democracy is that? You know, based on which lie you like best. That that's. That's wrong. That's wrong. Uh, our founders, like I said, were intellectual. They wanted us to be educated. Uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson started a college. Uh, they, they wanted free schooling for, for young people. Um, and that they deemed was important to the democratic process. Because if you can't tell truth from lies, then democracy fails. If you don't think for yourself, democracy fails. Uh, if you just follow along uh, one group or the other, democracy definitely fails. I had somebody that I'm not going to name because those who are listening will know what I'm talking about. And But uh, I had somebody call me uh, sarcastically say that, that, that I was – I must have been the most enlightened person on earth. And they said this sarcastically because I am able to see the perspective of both sides and come to my own conclusion. And well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. I, well, I, I, I always thought, <laughs> what so. are you if you don't do that? I always thought if you don't, I don't think, you know, I didn't think that, that was some kind of special quality I had. I just thought that was supposed to be normal. <laughs> yeah, so this is how we're brainwashed society yeah. uh, our culture is responsible for making us free thinking individuals and it just kind of doesn't do that anymore no it's a shame it's a shame but but not all hope is lost you know i meet young people all the time who who, who restore my faith they do and that's good and you know um we have to keep encouraging that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of sad that, that my children uh, will go to school and sometimes they feel like they're different because they uh, uh, f- follow an internal moral compass. And 
Uh, you know, and, and to, to me, uh, when I was growing up, uh, and maybe I was different than too, like they are in that respect, but that was the way I was raised. So, Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's normal. I'm raising them, um, in a lot of ways, the, uh, the way that my, my grandparents, uh, instilled things into me and have these conversations every once in a while where, where they say, they'll tell me about something that happened in the day. And, um, as we get to the, to the end of their, of their story, it, it, it turns out that, you know, they feel a little different because, or they feel like an outsider in the situation because, uh, no matter what, they rely on the moral compass that they have developed over the years. And, and it's sad that they think that that makes them different because that should be normal. It, it is a little difficult sometimes when you don't fit in with the crowd and you don't just bow down to uh, every fashion or fad. Um, but the compensation is this. You're really alive. And uh, that's, that says a lot. So the book deals with themes that many many people. Um, and I, I will admit the first time I read this book a couple of years ago, um, I never considered some of these themes to be a part of this, uh, chivalry and knighthood. Uh, but the book deals with themes that many may not associate with, uh, chivalry, such as climate change, uh, cultural degradation, corporate greed, commercialization of society, which we've talked about uh, quite a bit so far, uh, as well as other char- charged topics, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're hot-button topics, and um, the reason we bring them up is not because uh, it's popular to talk about them right now. Um, and as people will see, we can talk about these and, and not be screaming at each other, which is really strange, I know. But mm-hmm. um, can you elaborate on why these, <laughs> why these go against uh, chivalry? Sure. The, the answer is really quite simple. Chivalry is a moral philosophy. It calls for a positive response to threats and evils. It calls for a better world. What the movie uh, Kingdom of Heaven calls a kingdom of conscience. Knights, today's knights, uh, are civilized protectors. Uh, They represent a new kind of citizen. They're not lackeys to political partisanship, which inhibits a true and healthy progress. They do not follow liberal or conservative ideologies. Instead, they follow where truth leads and what intelligent conscience dictates. Now, in chivalry now, we're not looking for followers. We want open-minded people who see things detached from popular illusions. This is why freedom is so important. Freedom has a purpose beyond itself, we feel. It provides the inner environment where virtue can be achieved and humanity truly blossom. Um, Freedom is the soil uh, where the the fruit grows from. Um, A lot of people are just concerned about freedom. Well, we should be concerned about freedom, but we have to be concerned about what we do with it because you can do good, you can do bad, or you can do nothing. 
we want people to do good. And it, we want it coming from themselves. So it is an expression of freedom. Now, you know, look, climate change is happening. It is a very serious threat. As moral agents, we would be remiss to say otherwise. If we care about life, we must do something about it, pure and simple. Uh, the degrading of ideals is what's holding us back. People are suffering. Crimes are far too rampant. If our culture was competent in encouraging moral principles, all our social problems would change overnight and with little cost because we would no longer be generating them. Uh, corporate greed is bad because all greed is bad. The corporate variety is greed that is supercharged and grossly manipulative of the world we live in. Uh, the commercialization of society steers people away from the values of everyday living and toward whatever illusions uh, greed wishes to dictate. When we are steered away from the values that make us most human, we lose our best capacity for freedom. And, you know, chivalry now is about that. Uh, you, you can't live separate from the world. Uh, we're here to make it better, and that's what the, the warrior instinct is about. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the book um, that the world only cares about quote-unquote feminism because it's become commercialized and does not really care about the rights of women. Can, can you speak to this? Well, it, it's not just feminism. It's everything. The media will generously focus on any subject that draws sufficient ratings. They will not only focus on it, they will purposely stir contention as well. Feminism, for example, is a benign movement that calls for equality. As Americans, we should all be for it. But if a few cranky extremists say outrageous things, they are used by the media to paint the whole movement as something that threatens the fabric of society. This raises fear and resistance. Commercialized media also explains why we hear the same political extremists over and over again, while ignoring the moderate positions which represent the majority of people. The extremists represent only a small minority if they are given all this media time to sway people according to their positions. Well, it, it's, it's done its trick. We're a divided nation. And uh, this division influences everything. Uh, and does not raise leaders who are really worthy of power. Uh, you know, it, it used to be we looked for leaders who had noble qualities. I, that's that's why uh, our founders formed a republic rather than a pure democracy. Uh, they they wanted people who had noble qualities who could uh, who would not be swayed by this or that, uh, and especially by personal interest. Well, that's gone. <laughs> um, but can we retain that? Can we can we look for statesmen rather than uh, ideologues? I, I hope we can. I hope we can help encourage that. Yeah, the majority of people are in the middle, and mm -hmm. which is sad because, as I was saying earlier, um, uh, I had somebody sarcastically call me. 
you know, an exceptional human being. And they're being sarcastic because I was able to see both sides of an issue. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the majority or it should be. I mean, uh, I just don't think, I think you're right. I don't, we only hear voices that, um, uh, shout the loudest because they, uh, provide more, uh, more ratings. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it, it doesn't entertain me. I'll tell you that. No, and you know, <laughs> uh, it's done a lot of damage to our country and, and probably other countries as well. It does a lot of damage, um, and the people doing it are, earn millions of dollars doing it. Yeah. They're doing it on purpose for their own benefit. You know, uh, They don't necessarily believe what they say, um, and, and that's something to really consider. They, they're, in a way, they're trying to make fools of the American people. And that that bothers me a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you know, there's probably more than two sides to every issue. If you can just get out of the conservative or liberal uh, mindset, you might say things as they really are, and they're quite different mm-hmm. than you know uh, what we anticipated. Uh, that's that's really very important. Uh, if we're going to survive as, as a nation, we've really got to uh, go in that direction. I think. Uh, before we continue, <clears throat> uh, Dean, I think we're going to skip some of these questions and get right to the right to the good stuff. Uh, we're at we're at about fifty <laughs> minutes left in the show, um, and hopefully, if we have time at the end, we can go back and uh, talk about some of these things. Uh, this really is um, a, a a show that that. Could could have been served by you know three or four hours. I mean, uh, these are very very important things to talk about in my mind, um, and I'm happy that I'm not uh, uh, just a, a voice in the wind trying to you know put this stuff out here. I appreciate it. Uh, before we do that, though, um, we may have a caller. Would you would you mind taking a caller real quick? Sure. Okay. Area code 518, you are live with the Knights of Awakening. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, by the way, uh, Brother Justin, this is uh, uh, Steve Forget calling in. Uh, I recognize the to, voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to call in and uh, offer my support to my uh, brother Knight, uh, Dean. Uh, I've been sitting here from the, from the beginning very, very interestingly listening to the show and to the comments you both had and I've been enjoying it very much. Well, we knew. I told I told Brother Dean at the beginning that uh, you were going to be keeping us honest and you were going to be watching. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, you, now you, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you, 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 you know, it's kind of funny and a, and a coincidence too. But I've known Dean probably going on eight or nine years now, and the coincidence is is that around the same time I first started listening to. Uh, Knights of the Awakening. So I've, I've known both you guys around the same time. Dean a little bit more personally because we've met each other a couple times and uh, uh, we talk to each other on the phone on a regular basis. But uh, but the relationship between all of us is uh, uh, about the same length, about eight or nine years. And uh, I've learned a great deal from uh, both of you gentlemen. And I've been 
very inspired by your entire way of life, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 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 I appreciate it. Uh, I think the way I discovered both of you, gentlemen, was th- thank, thank the Lord through the Internet. I was uh, uh, surfing the Internet one day with the word chivalry, and uh, the, the first one that popped up was chivalry now. And I think shortly thereafter, um, Knights of the Awakening uh, came on there, and uh, like I said, from there, from then on, it's been uh, been history. So, yeah. Stephen Forget is a man totally committed to chivalry and knighthood, uh, more so than anyone I've ever met. Yeah, he he <laughs> he keeps he keeps us honest for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't give me a big head. I'm uh I'm just like everybody else. I'm uh humbly uh trying to continue on with uh this quest called life, you know, making my mistakes along the way, but hopefully uh uh the good Lord will give me the strength to uh get back up every time I get knocked down. So mm-hmm. so uh don't, I I consider it a privilege to be a brother knight with uh both of you guys. Uh I know one of the things that I, I noticed right away was uh Many of the similarities between, uh, uh, I guess, what you'd call the the Jedi ethic and the uh, chivalric ethic. I mean, there's there's so many similarities; uh, they almost belong together. You know. Mm-hmm. I I would certainly agree with that, uh, and and mainly because the the Jedi mythos probably stole a lot from the chivalric values. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. Inspiration comes from all all all, all different things, and it doesn't uh, lessen the value of those inspirations for sure. Oh, oh yes. I mean, I I know that a lot of people are who are into the uh, Jedi um, Jedi Knight got their inspiration from the fictional Jedi's. But those of us who are uh, into the more what you might call traditional knighthood, we got a lot of our inspiration from uh, from what you might call fiction or legends. I think. A lot of us grew up on the stories of King Arthur or the mm-hmm. Knights of the Round Table and all that, and those are legends too. So uh, you know, and even though on planet Earth we have uh, uh, real orders of knighthood, I think e- even them got a lot of their inspiration from the legend. So we, we owe a lot uh, to the legends of uh, knighthood and chivalry uh, down through the ages. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, it's really good to hear your voice. It's funny that you called in today because uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, but but you actually helped us with a show many years ago. Do you remember that? Uh, y- yes, yes, I do. I was on there. For, I think with you and your friend uh, Dave, David was was on that show. Yep. You know, I was on for like uh, about half an hour or so, and I enjoyed that very much, also. Yeah, brother Steve has been with us from the beginning. I mean, almost from the beginning. I mean, from, from the very beginning. So, uh, if there was a life, a lifelong uh, KOA uh, achievement award, you probably would be the front runner because you've been here just as long as I have. Uh, yeah. I, did, I didn't know that, but <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it's been quite a while. So, well, anyway, uh, the reason I just wanted to call in is to like to support Dean and to let you know how much I'm enjoying the interview. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll let you guys get back. I know you've got some more questions for Dean, so uh, I'm going to sit back here in uh, upstate New York and uh, comfortably listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for calling, Stephen. Okay. Take care, guys. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. 
into the good stuff here. Not that the rest of the stuff wasn't good, but this this is what's the bread and butter. You know, my family's from the South and uh, we call it the things we like, we call it the bread and butter, right? So uh, the bread and butter of this book for me was what you called uh, the 12 trusts. So I, I, I was hoping we could look at these and talk about them just a little bit. Um, but like I said, you know, we're coming up on about 45 minutes left in the show before Blog Talk Radio is going to kick us out into the stratosphere somewhere. And Did you say uh, I wanted 45 minutes. About 45 minutes, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think um, we can do it. So, let's get to it. Uh, trust number one: I will develop my life for the greater good. Uh, can you tell yeah, us what the, this means? Uh, the the 12 trusts are. Uh, our code of chivalry for today. Uh, we call them the 12 trusts. And uh, like you said, the first one is developing your life for the greater good. Now, there's a reason why this trust uh, comes first. Today's knighthood, which we define as a meaningful, life-transforming commitment to the ways of chivalry, does not just happen by itself. It requires preparation. We all have skills and talents and perceptions unique to who we are. That makes a knight special. Uh, what makes a knight special is that these qualities are purposely developed to create a free-thinking individual who is firmly dedicated to making the world a better place for all. This requires the kind of self-discipline that reflects a warrior's way of life, which makes the title of knight appropriate. And for what better purpose than channeling thought, word, and deed to the greater good? I can think of no other. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's why we do it. You know, um, pe- people forget what the word knight means. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, trust number two. I will I will place character above riches and concern for others above personal wealth. What does it mean when you say that someone has character? Um, the word character uh, covers a number of traits distinctive to the individual. Traits pertinent to chivalry are those that reflect its noble qualities. Uh, that includes honesty, self-control, generosity, compassion for those in need, courage, strength of resolve, and a notable degree of refinement when it comes to courtesy. Uh, An obsessive concern for money, as this trust points out, can pervert the development of these traits. Simply because you can't fill spiritual holes with physical things. Uh, Yeah, you are what you're thinking about. And if you're thinking about money all the time, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm priceless, so there's there's no money in the world. That... <laughs> no, that's what your daughter's told me. <laughs> yeah. That that's only when I haven't sent them to their room or made them clean up, you know, after themselves. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny because. Uh, We used to 
we used to live in a place um, long ago where uh, there was a lot of seedy, shady characters, you know, hanging around. And it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the neighborhood that I could afford to live in. And uh, uh, so, but it was so funny because, you know, pe- people would talk about how, um, how intimidating I was. And, and you, you know, it, it was, th- they took that as to be a, a, a physical intimidation. But, but truly what it was, was that I could not be swayed I could not be swayed by, by, by any of the, anything they ever had to offer me. And my resolve was so strong that that is what, that is what intimidated them because mm-hmm. uh, they, they could, could be swayed. They could be, be taunted by the easy path versus doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do, uh, which is the hard way to go. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, anybody who's ever done uh, good – uh, many of our listeners, uh, you, uh, many of the people who will listen to this later knows what I'm talking about, you know, to, to do the right thing is to do the hard thing most often. And that's what, that's what people with, with, uh, uh, broken moral compasses are intimidated by, not, not by the structure or the stature of a person, um, by how big and strong and tough they look, uh, but by but by the 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 grace of their character is what I think intimidates people who are otherwise kind of shady or seedy. Well, you know, having a a healthy conscience is what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've had a bank account that that looked really good, and I've had bank account that looked really bad, but I was always happy either way because I, I you know. I think we sleep good at night because uh, we know we did the best we could and we do the right thing um, versus how much money's in the bank account. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's all a matter uh, of priority. Trust number three, I will never boast, but cherish humility instead. This seems to be kind of a sticking point in the communities that we travel through. Um how do we inspire others or set good examples for others to follow uh, if we don't talk about uh, some of the good things we do? Well, hopefully we inspire people by the quality of our lives, which is often more respected than self-serving words. This trust also recognizes that boasting can be a real turnoff. It suggests ego problems like deep-seated insecurity. Humility, on the other hand, sets ego aside in order to open the mind to truth. This is very important to the kind of personal authenticity that people notice. Yeah, I, you know, let, let others tell of your tales. Tell yeah. of your tales, yeah. Um, and if you're living, if you're doing the right thing, people will talk about you. You don't have to talk about yourself. A whole lot. Yeah, you know, if, if you're in the job of promoting yourself all the time, uh, you become your own marketing agent. You don't even see yourself as you really are. And either you don't succeed, which is bad, or you do succeed, and that could be bad too because, you know, it's not necessarily who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're stuck with it. <laughs> There's a quote um, 
that I found on, on, on your page, um, and it hit me hard. Uh, the, the quote is, it is enough that I know inside that what I do is the right thing. Oh, yeah. I remember that quote. Some years ago, a young man wrote it in a comment. They beautifully summed up the interior motivation of chivalry's appeal. Doing good deeds is a reward in itself in that it affirms the moral standing of our being. It does not require outside recognition. Indeed, looking for recognition can divert our purpose in the wrong direction. Uh, you kind of have to question people who, you know, just talk about themselves and how wonderful they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but are they really hiding <laughs> beneath all that talk? I, I mean, they don't have to do it if we could see it, right? Right. I always love when when, when people start off. Uh, a statement by saying, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you." Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so you're saying you haven't been Believe honest me. with me this whole time? <laughs> 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 Excuse me. I'll tell you the uh, truth. Well, you mean you weren't before? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and just to touch on that, just some kind of funny. My youngest had had went through that phase where she was speaking. Uh, about herself in a third person. And it was just the most bizarre thing. You know, I've never seen that before. <laughs> like in real life, you know, we see it on TV or whatever, but, uh, uh, you know, she would say, Bella, Bella wants a, a, a drink. And I would tell her, well, then Bella needs to ask for a drink herself. She <laughs> said, I, don't, I, I don't need her agent asking me for things. <laughs> uh, trust number four. I will speak the truth at all times and forever keep my word. Uh, honesty, integrity. I mean, that that's obviously one of the big themes uh, that we've been speaking of kind of in front and in the background um, throughout this whole conversation. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. If, if we could. Well, from where I'm coming from, I wish everyone talked more about honesty and integrity. Unfortunately, it seems that people are more interested in the fashion sense of some celebrity or in getting high or in obsessing over conspiracy theories that a smidgen of common sense would easily prove false. Uh, Whatever we spend the most time thinking about defines our values as people and as a nation. It seems that our priorities lean toward entertainment or escapism or money rather than honesty and integrity. How could priorities like that not influence our vision of the world and our everyday decisions? We lose sight of what really matters. We lose the very depth of our own being in this way. Uh, This is what our present culture feeds us. It takes extraordinary effort to bring ourselves back to what really matters in life. And what really matters is a rational encounter with truth, unimpeded by illusion. Now, I understand it's impossible to be free from illusion and that freedom is not necessarily something good. Uh, That freedom. uh, uh, um, uh, Illusions have their place. Nevertheless, we must at least know what is true and what is not. We must be honest with ourselves and others. This is the rational source of our integrity. 
Now, let's consider the word integrity for a moment. Integrity means being whole, undivided. At the same time, it also means being honest and having strong moral principles. The lesson to be learned from integrity is that when we are not honest and moral, we are incomplete. We are not authentically ourselves. Something is missing from who we are despite the fact that the illusions of society tell us otherwise. This is an incredible source of misunderstood frustration we, we see all the time. Uh, we, we should be happier than we are, and we don't know why. It, it's because we're not being, you know, we're not expressing our truest selves. Uh, I can't stress how important that is. In this regard, chivalry now calls us back to what really matters. I recently got into a discussion about uh, quote-unquote truth on the KOA group page. Uh, how do individuals discern the, the truth uh, that may differ from someone with a different perception of what is around them? Well, that's a tough question. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's okay. why you're here. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, well, this, this may sound strange, but I think that part of the answer comes from the poverty of our souls. And that may sound strange, but it's actually uh, the poverty of the soul is a good thing. When our souls are filled with ego, we see everything through that particular prism. We become invested in a particular understanding of truth. We'll often defend it long after it's proven false. Now, humility helps avoid that. Of course, when discerning truth, it helps to be well-read and knowledgeable in a variety of subjects. This variety stretches out the mind's capacity to see new angles and insights, which can be a profound, profound source of creativity. Common sense is valuable as well, in that the complexity of a topic can blur simple answers and move us off track. Another thing I'd like to stress, and this is very important, is in order to open one's mind to the discovery of truth, one needs to listen more and talk less. When you talk, you state what you already know. When you listen, you open up your capacity to learn. Our relationship with truth should always be one of learning rather than commandeering conclusions that may be wrong. Again, humility shows its value uh, in doing this. Uh, when we have humility, uh, we don't have to assert ourselves all the time and dominate every situation. We can listen rather than just talk. And I'm in the best business in the world because I get to listen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I talk very little and listen a lot uh, when we have these uh, conversations. <laughs> well, that's why you're so enlightened. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Uh Sarcastically, of course, but uh, no, no, common, no. Sense, <laughs> com common sense seems to be a, a superpower almost these days, doesn't it? It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah it just it, we're paid to compliment to complicate things. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I just it, it, it to, today it blows my mind. Still blows my mind. I, I 
you know, and not because of the complexity that they attempt to make it, but that people don't see through that. It just it blows me away. That amazes me too. Uh, we we should be able to see when we're being used uh, and manipulated and uh, and representing a cause that's really beneath us. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people just go with the flow because that's what they were told or that's the way they were raised or they listen to a certain radio station. Um, and and you lose yourself in that. You, you never yeah. awaken to, to what life is about. You just become uh, a recording, in a sense, of someone else's thoughts. Yeah, and and, and it breaks my heart. It really does. Yeah, me too. Me too. Our country could be so far beyond where we are now uh, if we only, uh, if our citizens really took on the responsibility of thinking for themselves. Trust number five. I will defend those who cannot defend themselves. Uh, In what ways can we defend others? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is intervening in situations where bullying occurs. People, especially children, should not have to live in fear. Uh, There are many career options that offer opportunities for defending and helping people, such as the military, police services, social work, the field of medicine, and emergency responders. Uh, But we can find opportunities in less obvious places as well. Shielding a coworker from workplace abuse, preventing a customer from making costly mistakes, even when you might benefit financially, remaining sober in potentially dangerous situations, reporting crimes to the authorities, contributing to worthy causes, discouraging gossip, uh, refusing to act like a bully ourselves. And in a wider sense, we defend others, most of whom we never meet, by building a better world. Chivalry offers each of us a path to do exactly that. And uh, funny enough, um, I work in law enforcement and I oh, have yeah. a degree in so I have a degree in social work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, I, my wife said, why, why are you studying uh, uh, human services? I said, because I want to understand humans better. Maybe yeah. this will help me do that. Not that I ever want to work in social, uh, social work. I, you know, uh, God bless you for spending 30 years doing that. I, I don't know how you made it, um, but uh, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough line of work. Uh, and, you know, I did it for the experience of, of trying to get better insight into people and why they do things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it certainly helped me with that. But uh, trust number six, I will honor and respect women and refute sexism in all its guises. Now, let me play devil's advocate here for a second, because I'm sure that out of the thousands and thousands of people that listen to the KOA, there's someone out there saying right now, this book is sexist. How would you respond to that? (laughs) Well... (laughs) The, acquis- the accusation has been made, and usually by people who have not read the book. 
they automatically assume that any discussion of male virtues must necessarily be sexist. They may think of chivalric courtesy as demeaning to women by suggesting that women are weak and in need of male protection. I've even heard some who view it as demeaning to men who place the needs and comfort of women ahead of their own. I see these views as wrong. (laughs) I look at chivalry now as the counterpart of feminism. It is for men what feminism is for women, a a liberating philosophy. Having one without the other produces a cultural imbalance and lack of natural partnership. Simple as that. The assertion is that men have always enjoyed power and privileges based on the idea of gender superiority. That in itself should negate the need for a male version of feminism. Well, if you're on the wrong track, you need something to get back on it. In my opinion, for men, the goal should not focus on power and privilege, which is always the source of conflict and disunity. There is something more fundamental to be concerned about, such as how to know what it means to be a man when the culture fails to define it. How should men, as men, Strive for equality for all, rather than set up roadblocks from any sense of insecurity. How can men act as better partners with women? Well, chivalry emphasizes respect for women by displays of polite cultural behavior. It also calls calls for treating everyone with genuine courtesy. And I say genuine because false courtesy can be used deceptively. It can exploit people by using a facade of interest and compassion that is only skin deep. Chivalry calls for more than that. It calls for honesty, sincerity, and integrity, which to me is what being a man is all about. While chivalry now does not condone any kind of bigotry, the Sixth Trust recognizes sexism as being particularly insidious, not just now, but throughout history. It is aimed not at the other, as many prejudices do, but at people within our own families, our mothers, our sisters, wives, and daughters. We should simply know better. While feminists do well in combating this, it is up to men to support them by rejecting sexism altogether. I hope that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it came from you, so... (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's my answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) no uh yeah i i really can't add much to that uh to me it seems pretty easy um and it's easy for me because i i am the father to five uh girls so it's not (laughs) i don't even have to think about it um but i do see it and it does, you know, pardon my language, piss me off. And yeah, we're all people. We're all people. Yeah. Why try to separate one another? Why put someone else down? Why uh, put roadblocks to their advancement when we should be helping one another? Uh, it, it's yeah. Just, and we're, we're caught in this, this system that just doesn't make any sense. Well, and, and, and I think uh, uh, to, to a point that you made in the book that I didn't mention – um, having chivalry is not being macho, you know, that's a whole different thing as if, uh, you know, the comparison to a warrior versus a fighter, 
That would be the same mm-hmm. kind of comparison to somebody who's macho versus somebody who's uh, chivalric, you know. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of macho men out there, um, and not enough uh, uh, people uh, who who understand chivalry. Well, that's the image that our entertainment industry uh, gets rich on, and yeah. it's the image that uh, ruins a lot of marriages. And relationships and uh, and parental guidance. I tell my kids, and you know, and, and it sounds cliche because we hear it a lot. But I tell my kids that uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, my, my respect for you is not going to come by uh, your job title, or you know how big your house is, or. Uh, how nice your bank account is 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 uh, growing. Um, my my respect for you will come from you doing what makes you happy, uh, doing what your heart desires, and but doing those things with all of your being, you know, a hundred percent. A janitor is not is no less of a noble profession than a CEO. You know, yeah. they are both. Yeah. They are both. Uh, uh, just as important to the to the wheels of that uh, of that um, business. Yeah, and the janitor might make a better friend. Uh, they will make a better <laughs> friend. From yeah. I can tell you from experience, they will make a better friend. Yeah. No, um, no illusions to uphold. No, no. Trust number seven. I will uphold justice by being fair to all. What is your view on justice? Well, first of all, the man who disregards justice is not a warrior. No matter what his prowess, intellect, or position in life, his lack of a respectable moral standard makes him a brute. And a knight is not a brute. Our sense of justice reflects who we really are. It is the reason we tell the truth, defend those in need, give generously to the poor, and refute all forms of bigotry. Justice provides the measure by which we determine good from evil and ultimately determines our sense of honor. Justice is the bedrock of every successful culture and civilization. In everyday life, we uphold justice by being fair to all. And I wrote something years ago. And I'm going to paraphrase it because even though I wrote it, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, that, you, you know, a knight understands that justice can also be a terrible thing sometimes, um, especially when you're considering, um, you know, things like death penalty or um, the, the, the sense of justice where somebody's going to be punished, um, that it's important to uh, remember compassion and mercy. You know, when when dispensing justice to people. Yeah, exactly. Because really, it's not justice if if you just uh, don't don't take the individual into uh, your idea. You know of, mm-hmm. of what justice is. Everyone is different, and their circumstances are different. Trust number eight, I will be faithful in love and loyal in friendship. 
why why are these th- two things important? Well, uh, loyalty uh, is an expression of commitment and reliability. Whether it refers to friends, family, life partner, nation, fellow soldier, customer, or stranger you meet on the street, it is a deciding factor in measuring a person's uh, character. Now, as for love, it's no coincidence that romantic love arose during the age of chivalry, introducing the formula for an ideal relationship. Of course, no relationship is ideal. No one is perfect enough to make it so. The purpose of ideals is to provide goals to strive for in order to continually better ourselves. What chivalry did was provide the right formula of personal virtues that make a lasting romantic relationship possible. Now, think about that for a moment. What qualities contribute to a strong love relationship? It's got to be more than just wanting it. Uh, Having a good character is one. Honesty is another. Generosity in a partnership. Forgiveness, courtesy, respect. And the kind of humility that makes a relationship based on equality possible. Uh, One partner should not overwhelm the other with their personality. Both have to be respected. This is a prime example of how the 12 trusts interweave into a single tapestry of what today's knighthood is all about. Let me just a second here. I want to... We may skip... uh, No, this is a good one. This is an important one. We're coming up at... About 14 minutes left, so I want to get to the good oh. stuff. But 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 trust number 10, trust number 10 is is very important uh, in the grand scheme of things because this is this is what a knight does. Trust number 10, I will be generous to the poor and to those who need help. Uh, we were talking about divisive topics uh, earlier. Social justice is a huge topic these days, and it seems to divide our country in half uh, like many other things lately. Uh, do some deserve more help than others in your opinion? Uh, th- that's kind of a difficult question. And my first reaction, like most people, is to say yes. Helping people who are temporarily down on their luck is only natural. And so is being suspicious of those who never seem to rise up on their own. Unfortunately, such judgments don't take into account the bigger picture. First of all, we don't know any of these people well enough to make solid judgments, which is no doubt why Jesus told us, told his followers uh, not to judge. Second, all of us are influenced by the culture we live in, and that includes some values that are not conducive to personal growth. Some people are more influenced than others. Nevertheless, we are all responsible for that cultural deficit and need to correct it. With that in mind, our assistance should remain impartial, except in situations of obvious abuse. As far as personal giving, follow your conscience, but at the same time, do so with an open mind. What kinds of things uh, can we do to help other people? 
There are so many problems in the world that the number one thing we can do is promote and model a more responsible way of living based on proven values. If that catches on, people will make better decisions in their lives and their problems will disappear. That was my original reason for starting Chivalry Now. Uh, Of course, giving to reputable charities is wonderful, but nothing is more chivalrous than helping those in need directly. Trust number 12. We're, we're going skip, to skip the 12 here. Don't be that this, way. This, was, <laughs> this was a powerful one, too. Uh, trust number 12. I will live my life with courtesy and honor from this day forward. Uh, th- this one seems to culminate the other 11 trusts, and it kind of ties them together very nicely with a bold statement of dedication. Uh, why are these important to learn and follow? Uh, Courtesy and honor, when honest, reflect our internal qualities. They are the seasoning that enhances all else. Without them, the chivalric principles lose their distinction. While the idea of noble bearing might seem out of place in today's world, the qualities that chivalry espouses should always reflect themselves in how we act and treat other people. One cannot be a knight without them. And you know, uh, off off air, um, maybe down the road a little bit, uh, maybe we can look at, at uh, dedicating a series to to uh, focusing in on these twelve trusts because they're very important, um, and they they lay they lay down a good a good foundation. Uh, uh, it's a good map um, to, to to walk a journey with. I, Agreed. Yeah. Um, let, let's quickly talk about uh, the pages that you have that, that support the book. Um, this is my favorite thing about the Internet is that people can have, write a great book and give some good, solid uh, lessons and uh, good, solid, powerful messages. But then they can also support that uh, for all, forever and ever and ever um, with, with pages and, and stuff dedicated to these. Um, so do you guys have you I I know there's pages um but do you guys have a an order so to speak that promotes and teaches uh what we find in the book? Well, the answer is no. <laughs> uh we <laughs> toyed with the idea some years ago. But having an order means having a hierarchy with someone in charge making decisions for everyone else. This runs against the requirements of freedom. Uh, we are all knights errant in that regard, answerable to ourselves in the chivalric tradition that we each uniquely translate uh, into our lives. Now, um, we you, you mentioned our, our supplemental resources. Uh, our website actually has over 180 articles uh, on it. And, uh, and then we have uh, two Facebook pages, uh, one that kind of is the standard bearer for chivalry now and the other is like a group where people can discuss things and uh there's being things being posted just about every day uh and and have been for years so it's it's very extensive yeah i'd agree and uh in the 
in the review video I did uh, that I put out earlier this week, um, that was one of the things that that um, I wanted to to make clear to people was that uh, it was very active. On on I mean, of course, I can't see how active your website is, but I know the Facebook the Facebook side of stuff is very active. I mean, there, there's stuff. Uh, if it's not you putting stuff in there daily, it's uh, uh, somebody else um, is doing it as well. So, yeah, uh, our, our uh, web page has uh, something like a hundred and five thousand hits. So hmm. that's not too bad. No, no. Uh, do you offer uh, training and fellowship that go beyond the book on any of your pages? Uh, for a number of years, we had a very active open forum online with over 22,000 posts. And that provided a, a, like a virtual great hall or roundtable of what we called our fellowship. We got to know each other well enough to invite select individuals into what we call our Path to Knighthood, uh, which is a program that uh, consists of essays and ongoing process of question and answers and uh, either a culminating in a 10-page dissertation or a great deed. Unfortunately, the forum just disappeared from the Internet, which resulted in a very serious and discouraging loss. Although we have since started a new forum, it has not taken off. It seems that social media has led people to things like Facebook instead, which we are very active on. Mm -hmm. While the path of knighthood still exists, it is uh, offered by invitation only. Uh, without the advantage of continual forum discussions, we now have trouble evaluating people uh, for that program, so it's not very active. Uh, Nowadays, uh, when we give the accolade, it's a pretty rare event. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do anything offline? Unfortunately, we're all pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> widely distributed on on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I, I know. There's in Colorado. There's uh, a couple people who um, train at uh, with with swords. And I uh, have started a class and based it on the, the 12 trusts, which uh, I find very encouraging. Um, oh, wow. And we did have what we called a gathering in my backyard once. And uh, like four people came from Colorado. One came from as far as Germany. Uh, Stephen Forger was there from upstate New York and Stephen Harris from Massachusetts, and uh, it, it was a pretty pretty good group. And I live in a very modest house, so we had to set up tents. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it went pretty well. We we had a we have what I call an outdoor chapel, which is a, like a shade garden, a sunken shade garden, and uh, we we fixed it up for the event, and we we knighted several people there. Uh, it was it was quite an event. Uh, I don't think I could ever afford to do it again, but uh, <laughs> we we have pictures of it uh, on our Facebook page. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you uh, before um, we let you share uh, your final thoughts with us, 
Um, your book lays the groundwork for the philosophy of practice of chivalry now. Are there any kinds of physical training uh, that, that you would endorse? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It rarely comes up. Physical fitness is important. While there's no need to become fanatical about training, we should keep in shape in order to respond to the needs around us. As knights errant, each of us decides what that means. I try to work out every day with a regimen of martial art exercises, coupled with weight training, running in place, going for walks with my wife, and swimming in the summer. I include the martial arts because they connect me to the warrior spirit in ways that other exercises don't. It includes philosophy as well, which to my mind is important. They also prepare me uh, in case I need to defend someone in need. I also like the idea of a knight who carries him or herself with the quiet confidence of a warrior. For this reason, I encourage all our knights and companions to practice some form of martial art for as long as they are capable. Uh, It is not, of course, compulsory. Yeah, I... Mind, body, spirit, uh, mind, body, soul, however people want to look at you. When you have all three, things come more naturally and easy for sure. Yeah. Uh, easier said than done, I know. But <laughs> uh, as customary here at the Night's Awakening, this is the moment where we give uh, you the opportunity to leave some final thoughts for our audience before we go. Um, and okay. Gosh I, gosh, I wish we had so much because I didn't realize – um, well, I, I should have realized because I've read the book several times that this this conversation could go on forever and ever. And unfortunately, we only have two hours, and that that I don't like it, but it, it is what it is. Uh, but right. before we do that, can you, can you let everybody know uh, where they can find your book and uh, links to um, the relevant pages that we were talking about? Yeah, our website address is chivalrynow.net. Uh, and you can find links to our books and Facebook pages there. The books are, of course, available on Amazon. Um, as for final thoughts, uh, I ask the listener to think of all the problems in the world that we face today, many of which offer no easy solution and only seem to get worse. What can we do about them? Is there anything in place that could really turn them around? If there is, I don't see it. But what would happen if we suddenly adopted a culture that motivated people away from greed in order to perform good deeds and encourage values that improve the world for everyone? What if we could motivate enough people to care enough to do enough and not just endlessly repeat the same mistakes over and over again because that's the way we always did it? Solutions would naturally follow. Our social and political problems would quietly fall away. This is what Chivalry Now is offering. I hope the listener considers it seriously. And I, 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 I do too. Um, this is important stuff. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll work on getting you back here uh, uh, another time so we can finish up this conversation. But uh, it was an honor, and thank you so very much for joining me. Oh, I'm, I'm in your debt, <laughs> Justin. Uh, like, like I told you before, I don't normally do these things i've never done it actually um but the quality of what you do kind of convinced me that it would be appropriate uh, venue so thank you very much you're you're like a a poster boy for chivalry now (laughs) (laughs) well that's better than being a poster boy from other things people have called me over the years i appreciate it (laughs) 
Well, thank you so very much, and enjoy enjoy the rest of your uh, uh, week. Thank you. You too, sir. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, everyone, that was Dean Jacques, author of Chivalry Now. Um, I want to thank you all for joining me. I love you all very much. And until next time, awaken the night within. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.